0: Yesterday, we finished studying together a beautiful but difficult book of Tanakh, namely Shir Hashirim. It was difficult to understand. It had to be explained on many levels. It contained many words that uh, are foreign or alien and, and dubious of dubious meaning. Today, we turn our attention to a new book of Tanakh, a short one, and one that, in many ways, resembles Shir Hashirim. It too is very beautiful, and it too has, as its central character, so to speak, one of its central characters, uh, a woman, actually two women, uh, and in that way, it resembles Shir Hashirim. And it's a love story at some level, and in that way, it resembles Shir Hashirim. But in many ways, is very, very different from Shir Hashirim. It's certainly much more uh, straightforward, easier to read. It goes down smoothly. It's just a beautiful, idyllic story um, without any great passion and without any great emotion. Indeed, I came across a statement of uh, Rav Kook that on Shavuos we reach Shirus rather than Shirashirim, because Shira Shirim, he writes, is too strong for Shrews. Shrews is a quiet, personal holiday of introspection and study. And therefore we read Rus rather than the, the uh, roaring uh, passion and frustrations and coming together of Shira Shirim. So let's move on to the book of Ruth. book of Rus, Rus Perak Aleph today. I'd like to say some words... Uh, by way of introduction, uh, I'll try to be uh, abbreviated, if not very brief, um, because the introductory remarks that Chazal place uh, on our plate uh, for Ruth just need to be mentioned. I want to say, to begin, that again, Ruth, of course, has numerous commentaries from Rashi onward Chazal copiously um, explain aspects of the story of Ruth Rashi certainly does and on and on there are beautiful perush a relatively recent perush however is one of uh, and that is a perush called Nachalas Yosef written by a man named Yosef Lipovitz, interesting person Interesting story of his life, uh, which I won't share with you at this uh, in this venue. And he wrote a little commentary on Ruth. It's really not even a hundred pages, barely a hundred pages. And uh, I will draw uh, from his work, sometimes remembering to mention his name, sometimes not. But you can assume that much of what I will say uh, is drawn, or at least inspired by Rav Lipovitz's beautiful commentary. Let us begin by reflecting on what is the theme of Ruth, and perhaps understand why we read Ruth on Shavuos. Chazal, and it's a yalkut, a collection of Midrash on ruth says that there's a connection between Ruth and Matan Torah. And that is that the Torah is given to the Jewish people only through suffering and poverty. You don't get Torah out of luxury and and affluence. Torah is something that one needs to suffer for. And so too, Rus is a book of suffering and poverty, certainly in its opening verses. Indeed, Chazal in Meseches Basra refer to Rus as a sefer of puronus, a sefer of suffering. But, puronusa de islei acharis, suffering which has a good ending, suffering out of which comes wonderful things, namely, the conclusion and the climax of the book, the birth of David HaMelech, Ruth's, Ruth's great-grandson. Besides the theme of suffering, and by the way, there is no kind of human suffering that i can imagine that doesn't find its place in the book of ruth hunger famine exile bereavement widowhood loneliness poverty you name it it's all in the book of ruth and yet and it's called by Chazal a book of peronus a book of suffering nevertheless when you read it you are uplifted you don't you're not pained. This is not reading Eov. This is not reading echa This is a pleasant read. And therefore, Chazal also emphasized a different aspect of the book of Rus, And that is, it is not only a book of Yisurin, a book of trouble. It is a book of Chesed. It is a book of kindness and compassion. Chazal say in Medrash Rus Rabbo, Omar Azirah, why is Rus part of the canon, so to speak, of the Tanakh? Why is Rus part of Tanakh? We ask the same question about Shir Hashira. What's it doing in Tanakh? In the case of Rus, the Rav Zera asks, No, we're not taught on the Halachos. Neither of Tumor and Tahara, nor of Iser Veheta. And the fact is that there are many, many halachos that we learn from the book of Rus, but that certainly is not, they're certainly not explicitly taught, and they're not part of the general theme of Rus. And therefore, Rav Zera concludes that the whole point of including Rus, of writing Rus, and including it in Tanakh is to tell you how much reward there is for those who do chesed. So Rus is a book of, about chesed. What is chesed? This is a word that we bandy about very freely nowadays. There's chesed clubs and chesed committees and chesed points and chesed programs and chesed curricula. What is chesed? The Rambam in Moa Nevuchim distinguishes between sedek and tzedakah, and chesed tzedek is when you act you respond to an obligation you have an obligation justice calls for you to do something to return a lost object to return something you stole to repay a debt all of these things are tzedek righteousness tzedakah which is related to tzedek is a little bit more of that there there's no law that says you must do this, you must give charity. But rather, a person feels obligated to give charity. You see a poor person, you see a deserving cause, you feel obligated to do so. So the law is not externally imposed, but there's a kind of an internally felt obligation to do this. This is Siddoka for the Ramba. What is chesed for the Rambam? Well, chesed is something you do when there is neither type of obligation. It's not a legal matter that you must do it. It's not an inner impulsion, I've got to do this because it's the right thing to do. It rather flows freely out of kindness and compassion. That's what chesed is. In the words of the Rambam and Mornevuchim, Verov shimush shifrei hanavua b'milas chesed. Most of the time, when we find the word chesed in all of Nevi'im Iksuvim, it is doing good for someone upon you, for whom, toward whom you have no obligation whatsoever. There's no law that says you have to help him out. There's no... He doesn't present himself as being so needy that, gee, if I don't help him out, I'm being just a terrible person. No. It's a natural, fluid, organic kind of kindness. It's not called forward by any obligation whatsoever. That's chesed. And that's what the book of Rus is all about. For one thing, Rus was not obligated to follow Naomi. Ruth didn't feel that it was something she had to do. She did it purely out of chesed. Boaz, purely out of chesed. Everything in the story, Naomi's actions certainly, are actions of chesed. So, Ruth is a book of yisurin, yes, suffering. It is also a book of chesed, of free-flowing compassion, which is, after all, exactly what the Rebunished Bola wants from us, and of I-Micha, Perik Vov, pasuk Ches, we studied this some time ago. Said, Mimcho, Ki Im Hasos Mishpot Avas Chesed. What does God want from you? What does God seek from you? What's good for you? Loving Chesed. Yermiyo Anovi, we studied this too some while back. In Perik Ches, pasukim Chav Beis and Chav Gimel says something very similar. Don't be proud of your wisdom, don't be proud of your strength, don't be proud of your wealth. You want to be proud of something? Here's what to be proud of. Knowing God, because God is the person who... God says, I'm the one who does chesed, that's what I want from you. Chesed, that's what you should be proud of if you achieve it. So Rus is a book to teach us Chesed. That's why it was written. That's the role it plays in Tanakh. Now, let's move on to a different type of intro to the book of Rus. Not to give the background themes of Yisurin and Chesed, but rather to give the context, the historical context, in which the story takes place. And the story begins with the Posuk. It happened in the days when the judges ruled, the days of the Shoftim, And we studied a long time ago now, perhaps two years ago, the whole Sefer of Shoftin. So this happened in that time. Exactly when in that time? It was a long period of time, close to 400 years. We don't know. No, we don't know exactly. So I'll speculate. There are hints about it. But it took place in that time. Why do we need to know that it took place in that time? Because that time in his Jewish history was not the best time for the Jewish people, in the sense that the Jewish people were not at the pinnacle of their best behavior uh, during the period of the Shoftim. There was a yurida Ruchanit, a definite spiritual, a spiritual downer, a spiritual downfall, a spiritual failure that pervaded the Jewish people during this time. They worshipped idols, and the story of Pelegash Begivah, the Pasuk says, not once but several times, Ish Kol Hayoshor everyone did exactly as he, excuse me, don pleased This is the time of Shavu the Gemara in Meseches of Basra says, zeudor Shekulo hevel, which generation is totally Hevel, totally vanity. This period during which the story of Ruth takes place was a period of moral decadence, of ethical weakness. This was the time. And it happened soon after Yahushua died, Um, as Hazal tells us. Soon after um, Yahushua died. Yahushua kept the Jewish people on a high. After he died, they fell to a low. Why? What caused this fall? 'll tell us an interesting thing. When we read about Shmuel's death in Yehoshua, in Shoftim, when we read of Yehoshua's death, we read that he died and that he was buried. We don't read that he was mourned. We don't read that he was eulogized. We don't even read that he was missed. He lived, he was a leader, important, dead and buried, over with. Chazal see in this a failure to be maspid Yehoshua karaui, a failure to properly eulogize Yehoshua. And this failure is the root cause, the root cause of the deterioration, the moral, ethical, spiritual and religious deterioration of the Jewish people. In the words of the Medrash, The Jewish people were lazy, and out of their laziness, they did not do the proper chesed for Yehoshua. It's interesting. It's in this background that the story of Ruth, which exemplifies chesed, and turns the tables on this terrible, terrible failure, the lack of chesed. But the story of Ruth takes place in the context of this callous lack of chesed. <clears throat> there were, of course, other faults in the time of the Shoftim. And they need to be emphasized. The major one is, as Hazal say, that the time of the Shoftim was a generation she-shoftu The people judged the leaders. The leaders were so decadent that the people said, you don't deserve to be a leader. You can't criticize me. You're just as bad as I am. In fact, you're worse. This is the generation of Shrota Shoftim. There was no justice. There was no leadership. There was no followership. The people were complacent and did various things that we are not proud of. It is in this context that the story of Ruth takes place. And it's in this context that we can understand why the very first event described could take place. It was in this context of a generation where the leadership was corrupt, where the people knew it and followed their corrupt ways. And there was a famine in the land, a physical famine, Poverty, hunger, etc. But also a spiritual famine. As Chazal say, Vayihih vimei shvotashoftim. Vayihih ra'ov bo'aretz. Now we know, whenever we find the word in the Torah, Vayihih, as opposed to vehoyo, Vayihih says the Gemara, Eino ela l'shon Ella Vay, oy vayihi. Oy vey. That's Vayihih. And here we have two Vayihis, one after the other. Vayihi on the whole generation, Shota Shoftim. And Vayihi because of the Ra'of. Say Chazal, Medrash Rus Zuta. Chazal say, Loma Vayihi Sh'tei Pa'omim. Why twice Vayihi? Echad L'Re'ovon Shel Lechem, V'Echad L'Re'ovon Shel Torah. One because of a famine for bread, a physical famine, a famine for physical, material food and then a famine for torah a famine for torah two types of famine a a corrupt empty generation and in this context we can understand a man a noble man a prince of whom we would expect better whom we would expect to rise to the occasion and in the context of corruption, and in the context of physical and spiritual hunger, to stand forward and to lead his people in a different direction, to take responsibility, to, to, to bear the burden, and, and to reverse the trends in the society in which he lived. Instead of doing that, he ran away. He betrayed his people, deserted them. Vayelech this man from Bethlehem, from Beislechem left, went, to live of all places in the fields of Moab. Moab is an old, old enemy of the Jewish people. And Moab is known for its stinginess and for its failure to help others, to help anyone, certainly to help the Jewish people. That's where he went to, no place better. Not only did he go himself, who he went with his wife and his two sons. And to spell out his name, his name as a, a shameful record for all eternity, shame Ho'ish Elimelech. This man's name was Elimelech, a noble name indeed. As I'll say, of course, that of him it could be said, Eli Tavo Malchus. He was fit to become a king. He could have been the prince. He could have been the leader. He should have been the prince and the leader. But he shirked his duty. The name of his wife, V'shem Ishto Naomi. name of his sons. Vishem Shnei schnevon of Machlon Their names were Machlon and Chilion. The very names convey disease, decay, and and extinction. Ephrosim. But they were princes. These were noblemen. These were not common folk. Mi Yehuda. From Bethlehem in uh, the territory of Yehuda. So this is the beginning of the story. it's a failure of leadership, it's a desertion. and as then the Pas continues, Pas pays moav. they came, they arrived in Moab of all places. And worse, they stayed there. They became part of the Moabite society. They didn't have a little steeple off in the corner and do business with Moab during the weekdays and have a Shabbos farzich. They were part and parcel of the society of Moab. They left the Jewish people and aligned themselves with an alien, an alien nation, and a very, very alien uh, culture. <coughs> And of course, in doing so, they further disappointed, disillusioned the Jewish people. So there are three ziazuim, three shocks that we find in the opening psukim. It was a time, a general time of shrota a general time of spiritual ethical and social decay. By Hiro Booretz, it was a time of poverty, a depression, and everything that's associated with a famine. And finally, and perhaps worst of all, the leadership, the hope, the one ray of hope the Jewish people had was that there was an Elimelech who perhaps could rise to the occasion. He let the people down. And that really, really, as, as he libon will say, That lowered the hearts of the Jewish people. That shock was a disillusionment and introduced a, a sense of, of bleak despair. That's the context in which we proceed with the story. What was the end of these people? Immediately, Pasuk Gimel. We don't know how long they stayed there. A long time. by And then, one by one, eli Elimelech Ish Noomi. Elimelech died. Elimelech, who was once known as a king or a near king or a prince or a potential prince, is now... Has lost all of his titles. All he is is Naomi's husband. He's reduced from national stature to the barest possible, minimal relationship that he had his his wife, and he he left her alone. dead. He's dead. She's alive. But he and she is a remnant. She is now a sheiros, as say. She is a- shirayim. She is now leftover, but she has yet she has her two sons. But what do these two sons do? They are so assimilated into the Moab society around them that they intermarry, and they marry Moabite women. As the Pesach says now, Pesach Dalet, They married Moabite women. The name of one was Orpo, the name of the other was Rus. The name of the other was Rus. And they stayed there an additional 10 years, 10 years of betrayal of their people, of living in an alien land with alien wives, with wives from a totally different background. And Chazal say, again, the Alkut Tony Bishem who was taught in the name of Rabbi Meir, Lo Girum, Velo hitibilum. They didn't convert these women into Judaism. They didn't immerse them into a mikvah. These women remained totally Gentile women. And more so, The Torah tells us we are not allowed to marry a Moavi, a Moabite person. And later, in later generations, the leadership, the Torah leadership, Torah Shabbat taught that that's only a male Moavi that we cannot marry. But a Moavit or a Moaviyah, a female Moabite, there are reasons for this, can be married by a Jewish person. But at that time, this halacha was not yet known. In the words of the Medrash, Rabbi Meir, Lo li That halacha was not yet known. So as far as they knew, not only were they sinning by marrying unconverted Gentile women, but the Gentile nation was a Moabite nation. One that as far as they knew, as far as they were concerned, was double trouble for a Jew to marry. And yet they married them. But then they too died. They too died. And now this woman is really shirayim. She's really the leftover. She doesn't have her husband, and she's lost the apples of her eye, her two sons, Machlon and Kilion. Chazal, of course, say that the names of Machlon and Kilion are meaningful. They stand for who they were. She <speaking> in min <Hebrew> ha'olam. They were wiped away from the world. The nich in ha'olam. And they were extinguished from the world. They're gone. No trace of them. Machlom <speaking in Hebrew> v'chilyom. And this woman is left atishoyer. This is the second atishoyer. So she is what Chazal call Rusraba or B'amra b'chanino ne'esesor shiorei shirayim. She's now the leftover of the leftover. She's now really, really down in the dumps. That's the negative understanding of the word vatishoyer. But there's also a positive meaning of vatishoyer. There's a remnant, what's been called the saving remnant, the she'eres hapleto. She is leftover true, but that's a hopeful sign. In the words of Rav Lipovitz, she was left over. She's the only one left of this noble family. But she's left over because she has a Meshichi Tafkid. She has a messianic function. She a Maleh, which she is destined to fulfill. It is through her future activities that she ensures that her name is remembered for all time and eternity. So there is something too, something positive to this Vatisho hoisha. She is left over for her destiny, which we will soon learn learn about. Next posuk. She got up, stood up. She together with her daughters in law Vatoshov Mistemov and she returned from Mistemov. Where was this idea until now? Why only now that she's totally a Shakula Almanav Shakula? She's both a widow and bereaved. Why now that she finally returned to Eretz It is because is it because she she wants to go back from her to her nation? She wants to be reallied with her people and she's doing tshuva in that sense. It is because of love for the land of Eretz is she's doing teshuva in that sense. Doesn't seem so, but rather kishama b'steimoav, because she heard kifokad Hashem esamo that God now remembered His people, lo seif, lohem, to give them bread. Simple meaning, she went back because in, in Israel now in Eretz Israel there was food to eat. Obviously, there was not food to eat in Moav. But although this sounds a bit negative, nevertheless, there's a positive aspect to it. It's not only that she heard, well, the stock market went up, the farms did better, they had a better year, better fertilizer, the crops had a better yield. No. What she heard was, Hashem that the Rebona Shalala his people. That's what she remembered. And she's going back to a land where God is poked, where God is Doresh, where God remembers the Jewish people. And notice the word is Vatokom. And the Miforshim, al being perhaps the lead among them, points out that the word "vatokom means to get up like a lion gets up to get, not just to simply stand, that's Amod. but Vatokom means to rise enthusiastically, vigorously. More so, patakam often means to improve, to stand up and to be better. For example, famous example, the field of Ephron stood up, the field stand, Rashi explains, of course not. But rather, it was a promotion for this field. Before it was Ephron's, now it is Avroam. So Fatoka means she she got up and she changed, she revived herself, she elevated herself, she became lifted up. The words of the Medrash Nefula Hoisa, Vikomolo, the of the Israel. She was a Nefula, a fallen, fallen woman, and now returning to Israel, she again arose, she again stood. She heard that God remembered His people. Notice Amo. God remembered His people. His people are no longer Lo-Ami. They are now Amo. They are His people. Ki lo Hashem Es Amo. God will not forsake His people. And she now became aware of it. She now realized that by abandoning the people, the Am, Yisroel, she was putting herself in utter, utter disaster area. But now that she realigned with her people, she's connecting not only with her people but with the God of her people. And she left the place where she was. And Chazal say she left the place, and the place was never the same. Her two daughters-in-law with her. Notice, it's called still daughters-in-law. They went along the road to return to the land of Yehuda. They went to return. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law again, daughters-in-law. Not exactly the the most famous relationship as far as. Uh, being a wonderful, close relationship. Daughters-in-law, problematic relationship. And she says to them, Again, notice the coupling of those two verbs. Go and return. Go back. Each one of you to the house of her mother. Go back home. Go back to mommy. And there, I have nothing against you. In fact, I give you a blessing. Go back there and y'as adonoi imochem chesed. May God do for you kindness. Here's the word chesed. Remember the background statements I made at the beginning. Let God do chesed for you. Ka'asher asisem You did chesed to your husbands. Your husbands were ill and sick and dying and you cared for them and tended for them. You did chesed to me. You certainly didn't have to. You took care of me. You're faithful to me. You're accompanying me. You're helping me on this lechna, shovna, on this return. And on this So I bless you that may God give you the same chesed that you have yourselves demonstrated. Notice the word shovna reappears in Pesach It will reappear again in Pesach Yudalaf, Atomer Noami, shovna. And again in Pasekut Bay's Shovna three times and from this chazal learn that when a person is dealing with a potential gear, when someone comes and says, I want to be a Jewish people, Dohim Eshager Ad Shaloshpa Mim. You try to rebuff the approach of the gear. You dissuade him three times. Shovna, 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 go back to your people. There's no reason, no need for you to become Jewish. And she gives them this blessing. And she continues, I give you a further blessing. Not only should you be rewarded with chesed and return to your mother's home and to the family uh, hearth, but rather, more than that, remarry. Marry some Moabite man. Go back to the Taha society totally. Build the Moabic, family, goodbye. and then she kissed them. kolon And they raised their voices and cried. It's interesting, and Chazal points this out too, again, the Yalkut When she said to them, go away, go back. She's telling them, not only go back for your own benefit, go back for my benefit. What's it going to look like? If I, Naomi, come back after all these years from Moab, come back to Beis Lechem Yehuda, come back to my family and my cousins and my friends and my acquaintances, and they see me come back with these two Gentile women, what's it going to look like? Why is she driving them away, says the Medrash? She doesn't want to be farshemt. She doesn't want to be embarrassed Ashamed that she brought back two still non-Jewish women. As <clears> taught <throat> us, And they protested. They said to her, No, we're going back to your people. They know she's going back to her people, to her am. Patomer no Nomi says again a second time, Shovna, go back, Benosai. Here she's not saying Leich no Shovna, but just Shovna. Perhaps you seeing, hey, these girls got something to them. Perhaps I don't need to be ashamed of them, but still go back. Because what's the benefit of coming with me? Why come with me? Do I have children yet in my womb? Can I give birth to another child who can then become your husband? Is that possible? Go back. Go back. My daughters. Notice. They're no longer her daughters-in-law. This time in Pasigalas in your day, she's not talking to her hallows to her daughters in law but to her daughters she sees both of them in both of them a certain potential but it's, it's 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 in vain she says i'm too old to ever remarry if i thought there was any hope that i could give birth to more children ish i would couple with a man tonight for von him and i would give birth to sons to are you going to wait for these Sons that I might remarry and have sons, adashe Yigdolu, when they'll mature, be old enough for you to marry. Hallohein are you going to be agunos? Are you going to be anchored and wait for me to give birth to new sons? Levilte in the meantime, not be married. Albinosite, no, no, my daughters, again, my daughters. Kimarlima odmike, kiyotso yanashem. It is very, very bitter to me. And The hand of God is against me. So she tries to dissuade them. And we wonder sometimes, what kind of a dream is she having here? That she's going to, in her old advanced age, remarry, have children, and they're going to wait 18, 20 years, where they're probably 20, 30 years older than their new mates. What is she dreaming about? Now, Lipovitch tells us, quoting actually the phrase of Rabbi Yisrael Solanta, People are free in their imagination. We all have the wildest imaginations, and sometimes in moments of trouble, we think of all sorts of fantastic possibilities, fantastic, crazy scenarios. And that's what she's thinking here, too. You know, in case you're thinking blah, 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 this crazy fantasy, no, 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 don't go there. Because people have this tendency to think up wild dreams man is free, man is loose, man free associates in his imagination and can think of all sorts of pink elephants and flying tigers and whatnot. kolon, they raise their voices. ode and they cry some more. they're crying some more. or but orpo gets the message. And she kisses her mother-in-law, Verus Dovkopa. She rejects the offer to be a daughter. She looks back at Naomi as a daughter-in-law, I'm sorry, as a mother-in-law, from a daughter-in-law's perspective. She kisses her Chamosa, her mother-in-law. But Rus Dovkopa, Rus clings to Naomi. Not just he stands by Naomi, but Dovka, she clings. The words of Chazal, why was Orpa called Orpa? Because she turned her neck, she turned her back. Oref is the back of the neck. She turned the back of her neck. She walked away from her mother-in-law. Why is Rus called Rus? She saw, she had insight. Rus then means sight. She saw the words of her mother-in-law. Orpah gave her a kiss. And Chazal here say a beautiful thing. You know, say Chazal, there are various types of kisses. There's nishiko Shel Gedula. There's a kiss of greatness. Shmuel When Shmuel anointed Shaul as king, he kissed him. That's the kiss of greatness. The kiss bestowing royalty, majesty. Nishiko Shel Perokim. Then there's a kiss that happens at different points in time, at important occasions. When Aaron and Moshe were reunited, the Pasuk says, Moshe and Aaron kissed each other. That was the kiss of prokim, the kiss of rejoining after being separated. The yesh, And then there is a third type of Nishika, and that is a Nishika which. Is Nashika of abandonment, shel perishus. shika of goodbye, farewell. It's over. Latishak or polachamosa. Three different types of kisses. There's a Nishika which strengthens the bond, the kiss Moshe to Aaron, and then there's Nishika which severs the bond. That's Nishika of Orpa to Naomi. As I'll tell us, just mentioning this, I don't want to go into the length of it, that Orpah went, as they say, she went down, down the slippery slope. And from her um, uh, simple abandonment and return to Moab, she eventually mothered, of all people, Goliath, the arch enemy of the Jewish people, whom Rus' great grandchild, David, uh, encountered and. Uh, defeated. The pasuk continues. Vatomer hinei shovah yevimtechelamo vielaloher shuvi acharayevimtech. Look, your sister-in-law has gone back home. Why don't you go back home too? Fatomerus and Ruth said to her, Al tivki vi lo zveh l'shuv me acharayech. Don't beg me to leave you to turn away from you. Ki el asher telchi elech, where you go, I will go, famous words. Uva asher tolini yolin, where you sleep, I will sleep. Amech ami, your people are my people. Velohayich elohoi, your God is my God. Va asher tommusi ommus, where you die, I will die. Va asham ekover, and there I will be buried. Ko yaaseh Hashem v'cho Yosef language of an oath, I swear, ki hamoves yafrid beini uveinech, only death will separate the two of us, only death will tear us asunder. The Chazal say, and this must be mentioned here, that Ruth was responding really with one response, I'm not going to leave me, don't ask me to leave me. And then Naomi kicks in and says, ah, you want to stay with me? That means becoming Jewish. And that entails many things. And therefore, understand, ki elasher You can only go where I go. As I'll say, you can't go to the theater anymore. You can't go to the O shalakum. You can't go to the to the gladiators to see uh, bullfights anymore. You can't go to, to the movies, certainly not to certain types of movies. shel benos teatro su It is not the way of Jewish maidens, of Jewish girls, to go to these places. Are you willing to, to do that, to go with me where I go, not where they go? She says, El asher telchi elech. I will go where you will go. Notice the first thing she tells her before anything else is, you can't expect to be Jewish and to be part of an alien culture. I'm not going to tell you first about Shabbos and Yom Tif and Yom Kippur and anything else. I'm going to tell you first of all, you can't participate in the culture of the other people. You can't be a cultural Goy and a religious Jew. So no more Teatro's and carcassoles. And she says, fine. So then, Naomi says to Rus, Uva yolin. You know, Jewish girls, they don't just uh, sleep anywhere. We have a laws of Yichut. You can't be alone with a man. Uh, are you ready to live that type of a life? So she said, fine, where you sleep, I will sleep. Ami said to Ruth, you know, um, we have uh, 613 mitzvahs. That's the meaning of being an Am Royal. So she says, fine, some say, by the way, means that she said, Jewish people only sleep in a house where there's a mezuzah. And she said, that's okay. I'll sleep where you sleep. She said, we, we can't worship other gods. She said, no problem. Your God is my God. And she said, you know, there's a punishment for those people who don't uh, act according to the Torah. And these are the various punishments, including death of various forms. She said, that's okay. I'm committed anyway. And she said, you know, in Jewish law, if you don't live a proper life, you're not buried the way the rest of the people are buried. And she said, that's no problem either. I'll be buried where you are buried. Total commitment from Ruth. At this point, When Army sees that Ruth is really sincere, she's really committed, she's really devoted, and she's going all the way, no more need to try to dissuade her. Now she welcomes her. They went together. Mara says, "Behold, how precious, how dear are gerim, our new converts to Judaism, before God." Daitola Hiskaya, once she had made a firm commitment to become a true Gyotus, ge- a true convert. She Kosovo She's equal to Naomi, as the Pusik says. now they're equals, not mother in law and daughter in law, not mother and daughter, not teacher and student. Now it's together. Until they returned to Beis Lecha imagine the scene they return to Beis Lechem after all this. home called her and the whole city is in a tumult. but they look at Naomi, the Naomi they once knew was not the same person, and they exclaim, Hazos Naomi, is this Naomi? And she says, You're right. and she says to them, I'll take Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Naomi is the word noam. Pleasantness, sweetness. Call me bitterness. Because God has dealt with me very, very bitterly. I went away when I was full. A husband, two sons. But God has returned me here empty. Why then should you call me Naomi, the pleasant one? God has replied to me and God has done me in, has done bad to me. And now Naomi settled in, returned, she and her daughter-in-law with her returned from Stemoav. That's in the past. And now they come into the future back to Beis at the beginning of the season of the barley harvest. How are we to understand these, this last statement of Naomi? God did me in. God made it bitter for me. Why are you calling me Naomi? God <coughs> hate Ali. These are words of vidui. These are words of confession. These are words of Tzidu Kadin. She's accepting upon herself the judgment of God and confessing that in her eyes she deserved deserves it. She is saying, "Be heavon. The sin is with me. A great difference, by the way, between her and Eov. Eov never reaches that, quite that pinnacle. He never owns up and says, you know, maybe it's my fault. His friends do. His friends suggest to him, maybe it's your fault. Nami doesn't need friends to tell her anything. She comes first and fesses up. And that's why she, and not Eov, is the Grandmother of David, the avi Hamoshiach. I want to point out the beautiful insight of Rav Lipovitz to close Perek Aleph. But well, with what did this whole Perek begin? It began with rov, with famine. How does it end? It ends with the harvest of barley, with ample grain. In the words of Rav Lipovitz, Min <inaudible> harov shebepozor korisho. From the hunger in the first verse in this chapter, until the harvest with which this chapter ends, It's the end of a circle, a revolving circle. Elimelech's family left in days of hunger out of a very stingy, narrow view out of out uh, of not wanting to share in the pain of others. And they got lost in Moab and that's where they are. But Rus returned with chesed. It was chesed. Remember the words, the Rambam definition of chesed. Pure kindness. She's, nothing is forced nothing external nothing internal it's just chesed and with chesed she clings to Naomi, and therefore she alone remains from the entire family of elimelech and she now con- returns to eretz yisroel no longer in the time of famine but be made kotsir and this time with rus with her the end of the peric and we turn the Hashem tomorrow to a new peric to peric bays we begin to see the next stop, next step, as Ruth finds her destiny, her betrothed, and connects to Boaz, which we will see tomorrow in Derek Base.